Happy Thanksgiving. You have any turkey yet? It's not a good weekend to be a vegetarian. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Bless you. You doing well? Yeah. I'm Mark. I'm one of the uh, pastors on staff here. And I'll be sharing some scripture with you for the next uh, 35 minutes or so. And as we go into Thanksgiving, uh, I just want to start by sharing a couple verses here from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I will touch on them a little later uh, in the message. But there's a strong correlation between, in scripture, between the act of generously giving and thanks. Strong correlation. And uh, I just want to remind you today, it's not called thanks-taking. I want to encourage you just to continue in a spirit of generosity. Uh, as the scripture says, you'll be made rich in every way so you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. So I just want to encourage you as you enjoy uh, just the wonderful bounty of the season, harvest time, just to also share and bless others. Uh, we have been in a series called Right on the Money. And we've been just enjoying, uh, well, I've been enjoying, you've probably been tolerating, uh, just working through a few uh, different themes in Scripture. Today we'll be in part four of the Right on the Money series. Uh, we got into this series, and as we introduced it, we mentioned that over 2,000 times in Scripture, this uh, giving is mentioned finances are mentioned. So it's something that God cares about, about very much. And so it's addressed frequently in scripture. In part one of the series, uh, we talked about tithing. Any of you here for that? How many of you slept through it? Just be honest with me. Yeah. In part one, we talked about tithing from the Old Testament, from the intertestamental period, and then as well from uh, the New Testament, the principle of setting aside of, of money and keeping with uh, your income. And then in, uh, as we're finishing up that part one, which is all about tithing, I just want to touch on it. It talked about uh, the promise of an open heaven. You see there this, the verse on the screen that uh, bring the whole tithe, the whole 10% into my storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And, and that verse went on to say, test me and see if I wouldn't throw open the windows of heaven or open the heavens. So the guy that's coming next Sunday to just share the word, he's, as Chris mentioned, he's a, just a phenomenal Bible teacher. So you'll appreciate just how strong he is in the word. But he's written a book called Open Heaven to talk about what happens when we align our lives with the blessing of God. So he'll share a message on the Sunday morning and unpack a little bit of the open heaven teaching, which, again, he's traveled the world sharing these principles. 
And, but then we're going to hold them over for Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, as, as Pastor Chris mentioned, at Wood Green Presbyterian Church for some just extended meetings. We're calling it a mini-conference, the New Season Conference. So we're not just going to have worship and the Word, but again, when God promised He would open the windows of heaven, and Clive's teaching is very simple, that if 20% of the church is tithing, the windows of heaven come open 20%. But what's it going to look like when 30, 40, 50, maybe 60, or even 70% of the church starts tithing? How much are we going to be blessed? So, again, this might be a stretch for some of you, but this isn't just going to be worship and word, but wonderful things happen when Clive ministers the word, because the scripture does say that signs would follow the preaching of the word. So, if you can possibly set aside one or two, or maybe even all three of those nights next weekend, starting Sunday night, Monday night, and Tuesday night, I'd really encourage you to come. It will, it will rock your world. So, yeah. And then part two of the series, this was two weeks ago, we talked about generosity, and then we shared six thoughts with you on generosity. I'm not going to try to recap those all, but our theme verse for that morning was, a generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So we unpacked six principles on generosity. I know you're already a, an incredibly generous people. And then last week, we talked about sacrifice. That was kind of a heavy word. Yeah, it wasn't a very fun Sunday. But sacrifice, the spirit of sacrifice, is very much a part of who Jesus is, who Jesus was, the one who gave everything. And we finished our service last week with a uh, reflection and time of communion. Today, are you ready for this? We're going to talk about prosperity. And it rhymes in the French. So that's where I just thought I'd go there. Prosperity. Like, can you believe this? Talk about this church is affiliated with the Mennonite Brethren Churches of Canada, and could you believe you'd come to a Mennonite church and hear about prosperity? <laughs> like, like, come on, Menno is rolling over in his grave as we speak. Like, this is just... I just want to share with you that there's been a lot of confusion and tension and polarization over this subject. But we're not going to just talk about prosperity this morning. Are you ready for this? We're going to talk about the biblical doctrine of prosperity. <clears throat> yeah, true story. So this is a doctrine that some people just don't like. It's like one of the Bible's best kept dirty little secrets, that the Bible actually talks about prosperity. Just to be clear, this is, we're not going into uh, <clears throat> get rich or die trying. We're not going into a a name it and claim it, or a blab it and grab it kind of focus this morning. But we do actually want to talk about something that is very clearly talked about in Scripture. And just, <clears throat> just to refresh your memory, last Sunday we did talk about sacrifice. There was actually some people on the way out talking about suicide. I mean, it was a heavy, heavy word last week for some people. And uh, 
I just, I just, I want to couple these two together because I believe in scripture that when you're living a life of sacrifice, the byproduct of honoring God, honoring Jesus with all that you have, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, the byproduct of that is that God does, I'm sorry, he actually wants to bless you. This word prosperity is found throughout scripture, initially, of course, in the Old Testament, which they didn't have English when the Old Testament was written, so it was in Hebrew. And the Hebrew word for prosperity comes from the same root word as the word shalom, traditional Hebrew greeting, which doesn't just mean peace. That greeting means wholeness, completion, nothing missing, nothing lacking. And a, a slight derivation of that word uh, sakal or shalev, those words are the Bible words for prosperity, and they mean tranquility, security, ease, peace, to have good success, and even wealth. That is the word. Those are the root words that are used in some of these following scriptures here that you'll see. First of all, Deuteronomy 5.33 says, Walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. Now, that's a promise with condition. In Deuteronomy 28, it says, the Lord will grant you <clears throat> not just prosperity, but abundant prosperity. And then the familiar words in Jeremiah 29, <clears throat> for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, to prosper you, not to harm you, but plans to give you a hope and a future. And then there's this word, again, in the context of Jeremiah. We all love Jeremiah 29, 11, but if you keep reading on a few chapters, you'll see there's this dynamic tension. Yes, the Lord wants to pros prosper you, but, but look what the Lord says. As I've brought all this great calamity on this people, so I will give them all the prosperity I've promised them. My first takeaway from all these Old Testament scriptures is there's actually a tension that we need to embrace. Yes, God wants to bless you. And, and stay with me on this. God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much. Thanks, Chris. He loves you too much to let you stay that way. Can I say that again for those of you that were distracted by this delicious Nestle drinking water. God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. So what I'm saying essentially with the doctrine of prosperity is, yeah, God wants to prosper you, but he wants to beat the snot out of you first. Again, God disciplines those he loves, the book of Hebrews tells us. Like, discipline can go one of two ways. Either you get self-discipline, or you get the externalized discipline. And sometimes we get a blend of both. And I don't apologize for this, because this is a very scriptural message. That God wants to discipline us. Again, because he loves us, he wants to shape us, he wants to form us and transform us into the image of his son. Sometimes we go kicking and screaming, don't we? Maybe. 
Uh, like, I don't know about you, but there's some areas of my life I'm very self-disciplined, and then other areas I need that hand of the Lord that comes to correct me, to, to direct me into the right pathway. And I'm very thankful for that. But again, there's this tension that he's, he's taken me somewhere. Again, I don't like this message that just ends with, yeah, well, listen, God's going to teach you a lesson. You're going through hard times? Yeah. <laughs> you better check your life, Jack, because you're out of line. God's correcting you. And, and you know what? That's, that's, this is the thing. is If that's where your thinking ends, you're missing the fullness of the biblical message of his love, his kindness. When they translated the King James, they actually had to come up with new English words to talk about the kindness of God. It wasn't just kindness. They came up with this brand new kind of compound word, loving kindness. Your loving kindness, oh God, is better than life. It's not just that he's the chastising, correcting God. Listen, he's taking us into this place of wholeness and completion and perfection, making us like his boy. But listen, it doesn't end on the cross. I don't know if you saw this in the gospel message but it doesn't end in the cross. It doesn't end in the tomb. It ends up with the resurrected Christ ascending into heaven where he sat down at the right hand of God and prays for us 24-7, 365. Like this, this is a positive message. Yeah, it's pain, but friends, there is gain. He is forever interceding for us. Like this is a winning day. It's not like, oh, he's dead. He's in the tomb. I'm just going to live there with him. just want to know him in his pain and his suffering. But I also want to know him in the glorious resurrection from the dead, being united with him. He's, he's going somewhere. This is what I want you to see. It's not just pain, but there is the gain of him prospering us. And listen, I'm not talking just financial. Financial is just a part of it. But because we're in a financial series, I get to touch on this. He's bringing us into a place of wholeness and healing and life and prosperity in every area of our lives. I do not serve an anemic Christ. I serve a gloriously resurrected, saving, healing, soon-coming king. My God, is there not one Menocostal in the room? Not one person that would shout her name in at me on that one? We have to embrace this tension. Listen, I was brought up, uh, you know, poverty mentality. My parents were both survivors of the Great Depression, and apparently it's still holding on. Folks, it's time that we get beyond the baggage of our theological tradition and step into the fullness of not just the sacrifice, but the prosperity that he's calling us into. So it's not just Old Testament. There's a New Testament balance to all this. Look what Jesus taught. Familiar words from Mark's gospel. 
Jesus said, I tell you the truth, no one has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or kids or fields for me in the gospel. No one who's done that will fail to receive a hundred times as much. He must be talking about heaven, right? The promise, no. A hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, kids, fields, and with them, persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. You see the beautiful balance and tension in this scripture? And this is New Testament. This is just an just Old Testament prosperity stuff. Jesus is saying, what's he saying in those first couple of phrases? Sacrifice. Forsaking, leaving home, brothers, fathers, mothers, possessions, kids. If you do that for the gospel, because remember, he's very clear. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The cross, of course, being that metaphor for capital capital punishment. Like, you got to say no, but really it's about dying to self. And you follow me. There's not just the promise of difficulty, but did you see what's in the scripture there? Not just I'm going to bless you a little bit, and not just apple pie in the sky in the sweet by and by. He promised in this life, this is Jesus, New Testament. This isn't some new doctrine or theology. It's our Lord. A hundredfold blessing. Like, did I miss that? The, but again, this is, the inten- this is the tension that we need to embrace. Not just sacrifice, but the promise of increase. And not just double, not just triple, not just even tenfold, but he's promising a hundredfold blessing. Well, no, it's just a sacrifice. I'm just doing this for God. I believe in heaven he will repay me. That's not what the scripture teaches. Yeah, ultimately, whatever was missed here on earth, you do have the promise of eternal reward, but Jesus promised that people that make sacrifices for the kingdom would get it back 100-fold. This is really messing with my poverty spirit. I'm just trying to be, you know, nice, impoverished follower of Jesus. You know, I've forsaken it all, got the self-pity spirit going on. But it's not biblical. Sorry, I know I'm really messing with your heads. And just to balance this all out, suffering, we see that word or its derivatives 150 times in Scripture, but we do see prosperity 84 times, which makes sense because we do see a lot more suffering than we do prosperity. It's roughly a two-to-one ratio of suffering to blessing. More accurately, 150 to 84 ratio. See how I did that? It's there, though. It's in the Bible. We have to embrace that tension. 
Second point I want to make, again, this is the scriptures we open with from 2 Corinthians 9. You'll be made rich in every way. But there's a purpose for it. So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Again, this is Paul's teaching to the church in Corinth. And he says, you will be made rich in every way. So, this is what I want you to see. There's a simple purpose to this. Generosity, as opposed to selfishness, is the purpose of prosperity. See, if generosity is just about me having a bigger house, nicer car, a few more toys, and you know what? I have grace for that. But if it ends in just self-consumption, just self-ishness, then we've missed the whole point of generosity. Paul's talking to a church who he forever uses the Macedonians as an example to them. He talks about the Macedonians who out of their severe trial, overwhelming lack, they rose up in rich generosity. And then here he offers this teaching. You know what? You're going to be blessed. You're going to be prospering. You're going to be made rich in every way so that you can bless others. You can bless the Macedonian churches. You can bless other churches and regions that have been going through difficulty. I'm blessing you to make you a blessing. And again, if along the way you see many examples of this in Scripture, people who have money but who are generous towards the kingdom. Like, how can we be generous towards the kingdom if all of us sell everything we have and live off of welfare? Again, I know we go through seasons of unemployment, seasons maybe where we need to be getting assistance from the government, but that is not God's destiny for our lives. He wants to bless us. He's given us the knowledge of witty inventions. He's given us creativity and cleverness because he wants us to be blessed, again, not to be selfish, but to be a blessing. Remember, there was this gospel song in the 50s. I wasn't there. But the song was, and I heard about it. The song was, make me a blessing. Make me a blessing out of my life. May Jesus shine. Make me a blessing, O Savior, I pray. Make me a blessing to someone today. Anybody remember that? Bless you. Thank you for helping me feel young. <laughs> and then the dinosaurs came, and... Uh, <clears throat> So if I can boil the generosity thing down, the prosperity thing, to the second point here, we are blessed to bless others. We're blessed to bless others. If God has given you a great job, if God has put you in a position where uh, you own your own business, you know what? Bless you. 
You don't have to feel bad about that. You don't have to make excuses. And by all means, I, I don't think you should function in a spirit of poverty and live in a shack and give everything away, but I, I do want to encourage you to consider, again, that your end goal isn't just always increasing your personal wealth, but blessing others, blessing the kingdom of God, that his kingdom would come and his will would be done. We're blessed so that we can bless others. Thirdly, I want to point out from these scriptures in 2 Chronicles chapter 1. Do you remember the story, story where Solomon went up to the bronze altar before the Lord in the tent of meeting and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it? You probably don't remember that part of the story. You probably remember this part. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask whatever you want me to give you. How cool is that? Can you imagine God saying to you anything you want? And Solomon asked for a good thing. He asked for wisdom. He didn't ask for the best thing. He didn't ask for the most excellent thing. If you want to search the scriptures, you can see that it was clearly laid out to him, Solomon, here's what you should ask for. He got godly wisdom, godly instruction on it, but he didn't ask for that. I'll save that for another day. That's another teaching. But he asked for wisdom, which is better than asking for wealth or riches or to rule over his enemies. So God commended, hey, good job, Solomon. You didn't ask for those things. You asked for wisdom, which is pretty good, pretty good thing to ask for. But here's the third thing I want you to see, that Solomon's extreme sacrifice happened before he walked into a 40-year reign of prosperity. His annual stipend from the subjects of Israel was over a billion dollars a year. A billion dollars. Over the course of his 40-year reign, just based on that alone, his earnings totaled by Wednesday's gold prices just over $42 billion. And listen to me, there are people in this room that have made extreme sacrifices for God. I just want to honor you today. I want to bless you. Some of you have given sacrificially so that SunWest can be where it is today. Some of you have helped friends and neighbors, family members that have been hurting, and, and you have sacrificed. You've dipped into your savings. Some of you have given beyond what you were able. I just want to remind you this morning that anybody who makes kingdom sacrifices, the promise of God is for 100-fold blessing. And I just decree and declare over you today that because of your extreme sacrifice, God is going to open the windows of heaven on you. And you are going to be blessed. Might not happen today, might not happen this week, but God has promised it in this lifetime. Fourthly and finally, I want to just share these scriptures from 1 Timothy 6, which kind of round out the whole giving series as it tells us that godliness with contentment is great gain, because you know what? We brought nothing into the world. 
and we're taking nothing out of it. Check this out. If we have food and clothes, we're down with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. So ultimately, that kind of contentment, not covetousness, not entitlement, that kind of contentment is the bottom line in balancing suffering and prosperity. And it all comes back to this question. Do I trust God or not? He has made it very clear in Scripture that he wants me to set aside a tenth of my income, my tithe, to honor him. And he promised he'd bless me. He's made it very clear from Scripture in our second part of our series that he wants us to be generous even to the point of sacrifice, as we talked about last week. And today we've talked about how God wants to prosper us. I find it to be very seasonal. Like I'll be generous to people and I just, I get overwhelmed with God's generosity back to me. I honor God with tithes and offerings and he opens up the windows of heaven. And some seasons, I just have so much, I don't know what to do with it. And then other seasons are really, really tight. But I'm content. Like I'm actually just very grateful and on this weekend that spirit of not just contentment but but gratitude changes everything I find it unfortunate that some of us I, I know I've fallen into this trap it's like one weekend a year I get a little bit grateful it, it really needs to be something that I practice every day because Again, there's this tension between that season of sowing and reaping. Between the times that I'm generous and I'm planting seeds in the ground until harvest time. I'll tell you, it's scary in July and August because you haven't had a harvest in 10 or 11 months. And you're wondering what's going to happen to all that seed that you planted. Because just a few months earlier, you're putting seed in the ground thinking, great, now I got nothing left in the barns. I'm speaking in an agricultural metaphor now, in case you weren't with me. <laughs> like, do I eat the seed? Or do I take a risk and put it in the ground? Like, what if it doesn't rain? What if we have one of those dry Alberta summers and it's dusty all the time and... And again, that agricultural metaphor, that's how it is with our finances. Ugh, I got a little money now. Do I, do I save all of it? Do I invest it all in groceries? 
Or will I give some of it away? Will I give 10% to SunWest? Will I go to Greg's dessert night fundraiser thing and make a sacrifice for people in Thailand that I don't even know? Like, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to go have a piece of dessert, see pictures, feel sad, and give away everything. Probably better just to avoid it altogether. No. Like, listen to me, folks. This is not a day to get stuck in that season between sowing and reaping and zip up our pockets, put our wallets away. I know. Like, I'm that guy. I've been to fundraisers and intentionally left my wallet in the car because I'm afraid I'm going to give too much. But listen, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. Don't be like me. Like, don't get stuck in this season between sowing and reaping. Like, it all comes down very simply to these two words, faith and gratitude. Like, I actually believe that if I do what the Bible says, God will look after me. And again, I know that may sound hocus-pocus to you. It may sound like just some mystical, ethereal, unattainable. But God spoke to farmers, and he said, if you'll honor me with 10%, I'll make it rain. I promise you I'm going to make it rain. And here's the tricky thing, because he's God, he reserves the right to not make it rain that year. And then the following year, you're like, I got no seed left at all. I'm I'm down to this little bit. And God wants to know if we're all in or not. I'm now using a poker metaphor. I just kind of flowed in between metaphors. But when you're all in, that's when God says, okay, now, now, I'm going to make it rain. And this is the tricky part, is that season in between where you're like, I got so much grain in the dirt right now, and it's not raining. Are you going to say, blessed be the name of God, thanks for looking after me, or are you going to grumble and complain? I, I get sucked into that. God, where are you in all this? Where, where is the blessing you promised? That's when we need to stand in faith and thanks and say, God, I trust you. I'm not saying it's easy. It's actually incredibly difficult. If I can be really practical with you, we've just relaunched our SunWest website. If you go to sunwestchurch.com, it'll take you to this homepage. You don't see anything about giving on that page. So if you go to the corner there, click on more, click down on giving in the pull-down menu, it'll take you to our giving page. Again, I know a lot of you have been thinking about this. It's something you can do this afternoon when you get home. You can commit. You can do the one-time giving, or you can commit even to consistent giving. You know what this is right here? This isn't an appeal for your money. I am calling you to a higher level of faith. 
You know, it's nice that you come Thanksgiving weekend, worship some of you, lifting your hands and just closing your eyes and getting close to Jesus. It's beautiful to see. But the scripture doesn't say that without worship, it's impossible to please God. The scripture says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone that comes to him must believe that he exists and, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Today I want to call you away from a place of self-reliance, self-dependence where you're leaning on 100% of your own resources into a place where you're thinking about maybe I could be more blessed if I lived off 90% and trusted God with 10. And some of you have been there for decades and I bless you for your faithfulness because you've, you've seen the faithfulness of God. And I want to encourage you to think more about 12%, 15%, 20%. A place of deeper faith and deeper commitment. I just want to say thanks because you have been, as a church, ridiculously faithful. Faithful to Sun West, faithful to God. And I honor you for that, but I want to call you today to a place of deeper faith. And could we just bow our heads in a moment? Just to pray, just to reflect. I'll invite the worship team to come. Father, would you help us today not to just be thinking about what everybody else should be doing? Father, we thank you for SunWest. Thank you for this community of faith that is endeavoring to function in authenticity. Father, we just want to be real. We don't want to play church games. We don't want to be some pretty boy, churchgoer, church lady. Father, we're tired of playing church games. In the simplicity of this moment, as we're just laid bare, by the power of your word and by your Holy Spirit, we invite you to wash over us today. Wash over our minds. Wash over our hearts. Holy Spirit of God, we welcome you to come and make us brand new. Lord Jesus, we hear your word, your call that says very clearly, you you know what, you can't have two masters. 
You're either going to love one and hate the other or hate the one and love the other. Like, you got to choose. And in the context of that call, you said you can't serve God and money. Bam. Like, you've called us out. Like, who are we relying on here? Us or you? Father, whom I trust in me? Or the Almighty God? Father, I thank you that today something is shifting over this house. I thank you that we are in a new season. We're not pretending to follow God. We are all in. And Father, we commit to you today. I thank you that there are those that are going to commit to tithing for the first time. There are those that are going to go deeper and trusting you and more generosity, being more kind to others. Lord, I thank you that you're teaching us about sacrifice. We just say, help. Help, God. We're scared. Like if we can be brutally honest with you, God, we're, we're a little bit terrified to give more because it really feels like there's less when we give away more. But your word says, the more we give, the more you bless us, the more you increase us. And Father, I thank you that this house is being called into a place of prosperity. I thank you that SunWest is going to be known as a place that partners with ministries, that sends ministries, that blesses ministries, that sees the kingdom come, that sees your will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, I thank you that faith is rising up in our hearts today. And we choose, instead of being afraid, instead of being filled with fear, we choose to believe. <laughs> Father, that's my choice today. I can't voice that on my friends and family here at SunWest. But my choice is I'm not going to be afraid anymore. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Father, I trust you that if I seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, all this other stuff is going to be added to me as well. And the more I give, the more I get. To give more, to get more. To give more, to get more, to give even more. And Father, I today make my solemn confession that I long to be a vessel of your kindness, a conduit as you prosper me. Lord, I want to start blessing others now as we learned about the last two weeks. I'm not going to wait for you to bless me. I'm going to give first. The giving precedes the blessing. Lord, I choose not to walk in fear anymore. I choose to rise up in faith. Father, would you stir our hearts today? Would you help our unbelief? Would you help us somehow to break the cycle of fear and poverty? Because there's nations like Thailand and Syria that are counting on our generosity right now. 
And Lord, we as Canadians, we want to rise up as one of the most blessed nations in the world to lead the way into deeper sacrifice, knowing that we'll see more blessing and more increase. Lord, that's the macro, but even in our own neighborhoods, in our own families, in our friendship circles, where there has been lack, we want to be the first to step in, even when we have very little to give, knowing that you're going to increase and you're going to bless and give favor. Father, in the natural, that's not who I am. That's not who I am. Jesus, I need you to rise up in me and be big, to be strong, to be a man of courage and hope and blessing and sacrifice. And that as I start in faith, you're right behind me. You're pushing me on saying, yeah, son, go, you can do this. And Lord, I feel your smile. As I step into courage and faith, instead of fear and doubt and unbelief, I feel your smile. I feel the warmth of our relationship. And I know that you love me. I know that you're proud of me. I know that you care about me. I know that you care about our house. You care about SunWest. Father, we want to be those people. Rise up in us. And so we decree today, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. As they said every time the Ark of the Covenant set out, they said, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Lord, that was the Old Testament model of the Ark of the Covenant. Today you live in us and we say in these arks, in these temples, God, rise up. I will not be afraid because the Lord is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. I invite you, God, let your spirit rise in me. Let faith rise in me. Let courage rise in me. Would you stand together as the worship team leads us? I'm so thankful for you. So thankful for SunWest. This is a great, great house. I'm honored to be one of the pastors here, to serve you, to love you, to care about you and for you, to pray for you. I'm very thankful for how stupid you are. Like seriously, there, there's something about you. You're just so reckless. You're like crazy people in terms of your love, your kindness, how generous you are, how faithful you are. I sense today over you, as always, the pleasure of the Father. And so today, over you, for whom I am truly thankful, I declare the blessing, the increase of our Father. I decree over you a new season that you are stepping into of increased favor and increased blessing because you are breaking the cycle of fear and lack. I decree that as you move into the next place of kindness and love and generosity, that the windows of heaven would come over you and just open up so wide you would not be able to handle all the blessing. 
I decree over you the things that the enemy has stolen from you are going to be paid back sevenfold because the thief, when he is caught, it's not just double for your trouble, not just triple or quad. You get a sevenfold blessing. For those of you that have been praying into family members being saved, kids that have been away from God, even this Thanksgiving weekend, you have brokenness of heart because of kids that are away. I declare and decree over you that he has already promised that you and your whole household would be saved. I declare over you in Jesus' name that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I declare a new season of his freshness, his restoration, his salvation. Those of you that have been held up with issues from your past, baggage from the past, that God is going to break through on that, that as you open up your heart to him, as you sow authenticity and transparency before him, he's going to restore your soul and lead you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I bless you because this is a new day and this is a new season. And I decree over you the love and care of the Father, the blessing of the Son, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit to be with you all, always.